Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. This weekend we celebrate the Feast of Jesus Christ, our King. But also we recognize the end of this liturgical year. Now, this feast may be somewhat difficult or troublesome for us as Americans. It seems like kingship flies in the face of our democracy. As Americans, when we hear that word king, we may even bite our teeth. After all, our country fought a war of independence revolting from the tyranny of a king. In fact, when you think about it, we use that term king sometimes in a bad way, to ridicule or criticize somebody. We say, you know, he really thinks a lot or he knows everything. He thinks he's the king of our neighborhood or he thinks he's the king of this organization. Now, if you look at our constitution, Our Constitution was intentionally set up and written to make sure that no king could rise up in our country. And so we take pride as Americans that our government is by the people and for the people. And so that word king may seem a little alien to us as Americans, but it was a central biblical ideal in the ancient world. King and the role of a king had tremendous repercussions for people in the ancient world. So what I want to do in order for us to really understand and appreciate the feast that we celebrate today, Jesus Christ King, is to look at king in biblical terms and forget about the politics. So where should we start? Well, it's always important to start at the very beginning. So, start at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis, the story of creation. Now, when you read the story of creation, it seems like there's a procession. First, there's light, then there's earth, then there's animals. What comes at the end of the procession? Humanity, us. Just as the most important people come at the very end of a procession or a parade. Now, that was very intentional on God's part. The one thing that we can take from this feast, everything God does is always intentional. It's never accidental. It's never random. Everything that God does and says is very intentional. And so is the way creation is started or began. Now, Adam represented all of humanity, is supposed to be king of all of God's creation. And you see that in chapter 2. You see Adam, all the animals processing before him, and Adam is naming each and every one of them. Now, Adam is given king of all creation since we are all made in the image of God. 
His purpose was to govern the world according to God's purposes and God's ways, basically to live out the virtuous life. Now, that was not just Adam's role, but our role. All of humanity must take on that role ourselves. But we all know Adam, his story, he is duped by the serpent or the devil. What's the result of that? Well, bad governing. Adam now has governed according to his own desires and not the purposes or the ways of God. That's why Adam reaches out for that forbidden fruit. He wants to be God himself. What's the ramification of all this? Well, if you look at world history, when you see a king or a leader of a country go bad or corrupt, essentially the rest of the country will go bad and corrupt along with the king. Look at salvation history. God establishes these kings in Israel. Now, David arguably is the greatest of all the kings. He started off very well by gathering nations back to God. Good. That's very good. That's exactly what God wanted. So, David is ruling according to God's purposes. David is listening to God. He's abiding by God's will. Well, what else do we know about David? Well, we know he's a fallen figure. We all know the story of his adultery, and then he compounds the sin by murdering. Well, David is a compromised figure. Even worse, his son, Solomon, is the next king that comes around. And Solomon is worse than David. Solomon's wife leads Solomon into idolatry. And then Solomon, as king, leads the rest of the Israelite country into idolatry and worshiping pagan gods. After Solomon, the Israelite nation splits in two. There's a northern nation and a southern nation. Now, after that, there's a long line of bad kings, one after another after another. Well, what do we take of this? Well, these kings all imitate Adam in their own sin. Now, it's important for us to understand authentic kingship, biblical authentic kingship in the ancient world was really composed of two things. One, the king had to rule according to God's ways and God's purposes. Two, the king had to be a servant leadership, one in which the king was thought of as a shepherd, such that the king's role was, yes, political, but it was also spiritual, in which the king was responsible for leading the people to God. Now, with that in mind, turn to the first reading from Ezekiel. Ezekiel here is criticizing all the corrupt and bad kings. He tells us that the kings took care of themselves rather than caring for God's people in Israel. Worse yet, the kings used their power for their own personal benefit rather than to benefit the people. The whole purpose of the kings of Israel was to foster care for God's people so as to draw all nations back to God. And so the failure of these bad kings was not just failure politically, but also had deep spiritual problems associated with it. And see, this is why Israel became weak and they were conquered time and again by the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Romans. It, it was almost as if 
you know, the world countries took their turn in conquering the Israelites. Well, we find out in the first reading for today that God has had enough. He's fed up, you could say. And now God himself will come in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will now be the true and authentic king and shepherd for all of eternity, for all of us. Now, with that in mind, turn to the gospel. These readings begin to make more and more sense. Jesus Christ, in the gospel story, he comes as a king into this world. And being our shepherd and king, well, he demands something from us. What is it? Well, we must conform our lives to our king. See, we have to realize, if we're living in the first century during the time of Jesus Christ, and you professed someone as your king, regardless of whoever it was, you now are recognizing the vast repercussions of that decision. If you profess someone as your king, now you had to conform your life to your king, such that the king's words are now your words. His thoughts are your thoughts. His actions are your actions. His way of life and his values are now your way of life, your values. If the king had enemies, well, those people were now your enemies. Now, apply that to Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. If he truly is our Lord and King, and he is, well, it demands something, that we must conform our life to Christ by thought, word, and action. We have to align our will to the will of God. Now, in the gospel, Jesus tells us that we will all be judged. Now, this is inevitable. No one can escape it. No one is immune from it. All of us will be judged when we leave this world. We will stand before the Lord. Now, Jesus, he lays out the criteria and how we will be judged. He says, you know, hunger and thirst, naked are the clothing, or naked and you clothed me, ill and you cared for me. Now, do these things sound familiar? I don't know about you, but they sound very familiar to me. They sound similar to the Beatitudes. Remember the story, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus climbs the mountain, he sits down, he takes the position of a teacher, and then he unveils and teaches the Beatitudes, which essentially is the blueprint of Christianity. It tells us exactly how we are to live out our lives as authentic followers of Christ. Again, you look at that criteria and how God will judge us. You know, feeding people, clothing them, tending to those people that are ill. Jesus did all these things. What's the implication? If we want to be looked upon and judged, well, we have to conform our life to Christ by thought, word, and action. Now, judgment is something is inevitable. Jesus, again, as I said before, everything he says and does is very intentional. Just like Jesus essentially talked about his impending passion, death, and resurrection. Well, it happened. Well, if Jesus is talking about judgment, and he does in all four of the Gospels, then it happened. It's inevitable for all of us. So now it begs the question, 
Is God's judgment arbitrary? No, it's not. It's simply acknowledging those people who have conformed themselves to God and those people who have not. This past week, we celebrated Thanksgiving. It was a time in which we took some time out of our lives to be grateful for all that God has given us. Well, now this feast is pretty much similar to that. This feast of Christ the King invites us to take a look at our lives and see how Jesus Christ truly is the King of our life, to whom we serve by thought, word, and action. Such that what? When we end our life in this world and we stand before our King in judgment, we hope and we pray that Jesus Christ will look upon us and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.